Hey, hey. How we doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Right, so we had discussed in a previous ep about what you actually teach, or touched on it. Yes. So, but today we're about teaching agents. Yeah, talking about, different. I mean, that's that's why I'm in my, my, my business threads. Still so, rocking my baseball cap because, <laughs> let's be honest, I like to rebel. So we're going to be talking and discussing about what you actually teach agents, just so yes. that people, you know, are aware as to different strategies and stuff that agents actually yeah, know. Yeah, I, mean, I, t- I teach agents on a number of different topics. Yeah, um, and we've just done we've just done a, a tour of the East Coast cities and Adelaide as well, and have been, you know, teaching agents a whole heap of strategies around. Um, AI, but also what's becoming more and more important, which is transparency in real estate. And so we're going to dive into that and we're going to look at it from the homeowner, seller, buyer perspective as to why this is what I'm teaching and and teaching agents and why you should be looking for agents that have embraced this learning and these teachings and the benefits to, to everybody involved, not just you know, the agents, but buyers and sellers yeah, as well. Yeah, because it's not just about how they, like, them selling you on listing with them. It's also about them actually understanding the current uh, social media platforms, how everything works together and how you as a seller and buyer can actually um, benefit, really. Oh, uh, look, absolutely. And I think I'm, I'm a huge proponent for transparency in all things, mm-hmm. right? I think that a lot of personal relationships, a lot of business relationships uh, would be a hell of a lot better and smoother if we all operated transparency. And and, and there's a fantastic book on it. Stephen Covey wrote uh, The Speed of Trust. Yeah. And, and I'm a big believer in that. And I've, I've copped a hard time for years for revealing too much or being too transparent in, in all aspects of my life. And I you know, we're actually coming into an age now where trust has been so damaged in so many different industries and particularly the real estate industry uh, that transparency is pretty much the only way forward to really truly grow a business but to to get the results where everybody wins. Mm, Exactly. And then the JTM segment is going to be road trips. Road trips. So um, I know that you will be going on one at the end of this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with our eldest. So yes. uh, we'll be... Getting his learner driver hours up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll... That's what's going to be today for Ep 20. Ep 20? Yeah. Look at that. We made it to 20 episodes. 20. We haven't killed each other yet. Yeah, but we've been living together for, what, five or six years? Living together, working together. I know. Yeah. Surprised yeah. there isn't a body bag. I mean... Either way. 
Nothing, nothing a bag of lime can't solve. <laughs> and a shovel and <laughs> just the whole the, thing of part. The shark breeding ground in Moreton Bay. That's fine. That's all Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> and right. and uh, in that really, really on-brand comment, let's hear from our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Right. So. Cool. We had, we had touched on the three key rules. I think that was last step from memory. Last step, we, but we, we had also how to tu- sell in any the secrets to selling in any market. Yeah, but yeah. we had also touched on it on previous ones as well. Yeah. But we'll be we'll actually instead of talking about from the home buyer, home buyer, home seller perspective, we're going to be doing it from the agent's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about and covering AI and marketing on social media and as well transparency. Yeah. But we'll I'll be asking you questions this instead of just fun. going instead of just going, Oh, it's important to be transparent. I'm gonna be throwing a couple of questions at you because yeah. that that word can oh, look, just it, be it a can, fluffy word it can that be you a actually, fluffy feel yeah. good word, right? Yeah. There's there's so many different degrees and levels of transparency, and and I think that navigating that in real estate is tricky due to legislative requirements, yeah, and also best practices how agents are taught to operate. Um, but first but I, of all, I love this because you you come up with these questions, and I have I no matter what episode we're doing, I have no idea what these questions are, which means that you're always putting me on the spot, so I've got to know my shit. Yeah, just so that people are aware, he gives me the run sheet. Yeah, literally, I sit down or I stand at, at the in the podcast room, and he passes me the sheet, and then I look at them and I'm like, "Cool," and then yeah. I literally throw him under the bus. It's, so <laughs> it's all very, very real and authentic and in the moment because you you get that sheet maybe three minutes before we hit the record button and and away we go. Yeah. Right, so it's it's absolutely very very real, and there and has been previous apps where it had gone into the JTM, and I'm sitting there going. <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to decipher the the uh, JH to Cyan, or even just English. <laughs> so I was trying to figure that you, out. You can talk but about translating language to English. Let's okay from the agent perspective. Yes. The three key points, price. Yes. So in an agent perspective, what do you mean by that? Look, price is vitally important, right? Um, and, and some agents out there do feel tempted, particularly if they don't have a lot of listings, to sort of bow down to what the homeowner wants as their price. Go, all right, we'll list it at that. And that always leads to a, a pretty poor experience on everybody's behalf because if the price is too high, mm. then the market doesn't respond. And we're already seeing growth come back into the market at this particular point in time. The spring summer selling season that we're now heading into is looking like it's going to be relatively strong in terms of traditional years. Mm-hmm. COVID years aside, the COVID crazy boom aside, like that was manic. That was that was exceptional, mm. right? That was the outlier. 
But in terms of compared to normal years, it's looking like it's going to be strong. We're going to see growth over this period. And we're already seeing some growth through the winter months as well. Mm-hmm. Which in, it comes back to the supply which and demand. Which is tra- traditionally a quieter. It's quieter. You don't see as much growth in winter, but yep. and and this is you know I harp on about we have a supply and demand problem in this country when it yep. comes to housing, and the fact that we are growing through winter months after eleven ra- interest rate rises in a row shows like that that highlights the supply and demand problem more than mm. absolutely anything else, mm. right? But that's 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 a tangent. that's another tangent. That's a tangent. <laughs> so what's really important is. Setting that that property price correctly because if you don't set it correctly, the property sits on the market because the market goes, we've got other options that are better and and better value, so we're not interested. Mm -hmm. That then leads to the real estate agent having to have price adjustment meetings and discussions with the homeowner, Mm -hmm. okay? So they'll come in and go, hey, look, the market's telling us the property's not worth what we think it's worth. We're going to have to drop by 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, whatever. Yeah. Right? And this creates a, a negative market perception for starters. Like you can get away with one or two where it's vendors willing to meet the market, the headlines change up and the market goes, all right, okay, we'll pay a little bit more attention. But if you've got to go through three or four or five price, rise, uh, price drops, the market's now going, something's really wrong with this. It's not right. Well, even maybe there's actually better properties that are being listed that at a, at a, at a better value at price, a better right? price. Now, this, this all comes into play because the market determines the price at the end of the day. Mm. So you then sit on the market for longer and the longer you sit on the market, the less you're going to get for that property in traditional terms. And, and I'm not talking about those super high-end luxury properties, mm. right? That's a different story altogether. Well, it's because you, the amount of buyers for That's that it. particular yeah. price tag it is often, it a often smaller niche anyway. longer yeah. for those super high-end properties because there's less buyers, you've got to, you know, hunt the world almost for them. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to your, your normal sort of properties and, and, you know, that's sitting within that medium price range and so forth in any given area, that's where you run into problems. If you overprice it, you're going to be stuck on the mm. market too long. That's problematic for an agent because it's long, it's more work the agent has to do to get paid. So the hourly rate drops. Like I remember my last, my last sale in real estate was in a tough market. It was, it was, you know, post GFC. And I had to sell that property three times. When I sat down and worked out the hourly rate versus what I got paid, I would have made more money flipping burgers at McDonald's. Yeah. Right? So that that hurts an agent, but it also hurts the homeowner, right? And, and this is the thing. With, there's such an adversarial narrative between sellers and agents in the marketplace and, and in the media. But really, they're in it together because it's a mutually beneficial relationship, Right. If the seller wins, the agent wins because they're working on a percentage of comp, mm. typically, typically. Mm. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why you hire an agent who's working on a percentage because the better price they get for the seller, the more they get paid, mm. right? So they're incentivized mm. to, uh, to, to get a better result. Mm. Um, so getting that price right is vitally important for everybody involved. Because the seller's more likely to get a strong result, get the interest they need to get a strong result. Agent gets paid. Every buyer gets. So my question to you is: How are you like? What strategies are you actually teaching agents when it comes to pricing? Look, the strategies we're we're using when it comes to pricing is actually tied into that transparency. Mm -hmm. So one of the wonderful things about using a digital offer platform like Market Buy 
is that we actually get to see what the level of interest and what the level of aggression of buyers is in the marketplace. Yeah. Because we track every offer. And you can have those presented to you in a CMA or well, a house price it's report. A, a sale activity report that then comes along beside the house price report or comes along beside the CMA. So it becomes that supporting evidence. So if the agent turns around and says, hey, I think your property is worth 800000 and the reason for that is see all of these comparables here, mm. but also then see the sale activity report, mm. right? And the sale activity report is showing that we had three buyers, four buyers, however many, on this property, and they were willing to spend up to this amount. Mm. So we know for sure that there are three or four buyers in the market who are looking for a property like yours and who have the budget of $800,000. Yeah. That's why we're saying we think this property is worth that. Yeah. Right? So that transparency in what actually happens. Now, without that proof, and this is where the, the problem breaks down, because these, these are all tied in. The marketing, everything, it's all tied into transparency. Mm. And, and jumping forward to that transparency argument, there was a 2021 Roy Morgan survey that showed only 5% of Australians trust real estate agents mm. okay we have two to three exposés a year on the you know the, the 6 30 p.m sort of tv shows i don't want to name any of them but you know the ones yeah. where they'll they'll do three stories in an episode and they're an expose and a feature you know and like this year we had um we had a current affair in february of 2023 target and go after real estate agents and they let off there's a quote that leads off going and then you've got to deal with the the dodgy tactics of real estate agents right the story was about property managers but they lumped every real estate agent in together because a property manager is vastly different yeah to one's a sales doing agent. sales the other one is actually finding someone right. to inhabit a but a this house is this is dwelling. the narrative that's happening in the media yeah okay so it's lumping everybody in together Mm. which hurts that trust. But then in March 2023, you had a Four Corners expose on real estate agents picking out dodgy agents. Now, I've worked with tens of thousands of agents over the last decade. Mm. And I know, yeah, look, there are bad actors in real estate, but there are no more bad actors in real estate than in any other industry. It's yeah. just that because they are dealing with the highest value asset that the average person will ever own, mm. and therefore there's a huge amount of stress, anxiety, and emotion attached to it, mm. It creates for sensational headlines. Yeah. Okay. And I get that. Look, media organizations, they need people to tune in. They need to get people to read articles. So they're going to go for the thing that's going to hit that emotion and get people. So essentially what you're saying is you want it to be able so that agents can actually go, here's what I have sold a property like a month ago that was similar to yours and exactly. within the same suburb the way as you. To so repair and a trust I, deficit. I know that there's three, four, ten, fifteen, yep. absolutely other buyers that I can reach out to that missed this property that would be interested in exactly. yours. And showing that with that sales activity report. Yeah. Right. This is where digital offers are the greatest thing for the real estate industry in the last thirty years mm. because it brings that transparency. It's no longer an agent standing in your living room going. I'm the greatest. Yeah. I'm the best in sliced bread. I'm the best at marketing. I'm the best negotiator. I'm, I'm, I've got all the buyers. Yeah. Right. Which is. I spent $10,000 on marketing for you. Yeah. Like. Don't ever do that. <laughs> well, it's, no, it's because some properties. Uh, yeah. Have but that. if you've got a house that's like it, it, where they're literally just spent their whole commission on the marketing. I, I know a property that sold for $19, $19 million. The vendor paid 
marketing budget. So that means the seller paid marketing yeah. for well, that no. was $45,000. Yeah. Right? That's a and, and that was massive. Yeah, right? but it's like, also it 19 also, million. Absolutely. So it's it's got to be within range. They've <laughs> yeah, got to be exactly. able to justify it on that marketing. They've got to be able to show those results and what they've achieved yeah. previously. Yeah. Right? And that's super important. Um if if they're not able to show the results and it's all hyperbole and sales hyperbole, that should be a red flag. Yeah. Because in 2023, transparency is so vitally important. It's so important that even over, like over the last three years, even the medical profession, now keep in mind in this country, doctors and nurses are more trusted than any other profession on the planet, mm. according to the same survey, the Roy Morgan survey, right? And over the last three years, there are multiple research papers coming out saying that trust has been negatively impacted that we need to restore trust between the industry and the patient, so the doctor-patient-nurse-patient relationship. We need to restore trust in that. And the best way for us to do that is through transparent communication between doctor and patient. Well, the other thing too is when it comes to communication, which is transparency, but also society as a whole is becoming a lot more, I suppose, educated there's and more information There's available more information that's than available. Ever before. And there's so, more misinformation than ever before as well. Exactly. So we've, but that's, we, that's we the as, reason. As laymen have to be better at our critical thinking. That's and right. And that's the reason why it comes back to communication. Yes. Because if you sit down with an expert, doesn't matter what expert, if you sit down with an expert and go, this is what I've read. Yeah. Like, so tell me about it. Which is the reason why in our last episode, I was actually saying, do your own research sit down with the agent and actually go, well, I've noticed this. But understand the but research. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And that's, and that's really a- super. So there's an example I use, and I apologize. This is probably going to trigger a lot of people because it's a COVID example, but it is the best example of making sure you understand what you're reading that I've ever seen in my 40-plus my years on this planet. Mm. Right? There was a study that came out of the UK NHS, and it was a study on um, COVID and COVID deaths, COVID vaccinations, and so forth. And what they found is that there were 118 people that had died, right? And as having presented to A&E, so their their, uh, accident and emergency wards, after having a COVID diagnosis, Mm. right? And it showed that of those 118, 59 had been vaccinated and 50 were not vaccinated, Yeah, right? Now, the immediate narrative that came out on social media was that more people with vaccines are dying from COVID than unvaccinated. Mm. Now, what the narrative didn't explain and, and the, the quick soundbite stuff that came out... So it was, was 118. Yeah, there was, there was... What happened to the other nine? The, the other nine were unknown. Right, okay. Right? So there was 97,000 people studied, number one. So 118 deaths out of 97,000 people. Like, that's a ridiculously small number, right? It really puts it in perspective. Yeah. Right? Well, it works out to be like point something percent. <sighs> yeah. It, like it's, it's, it's a tiny, it's, it's not it's even one, a full 1%. No, no. It's like point, point 0.1 or something like that. But It's a very small minority. But <laughs> on this table, so I went and looked at the source and read the source. And on this table, there was an asterisk, right? And then you read down at the asterisk and it said, these people have died within 28 days of having presented to A&E after a COVID diagnosis, okay? So they didn't 
necessarily die from COVID. They just they could have to been hit by the bus walking out of A and E with their prescription, right? Being sent home with, you know what? Yeah, just take some painkillers because you've stubbed your toe. They and also your big could have toe. had a complication from COVID, like pneumonia or something could like it, that. Could that. They could have, like, but because there was, it wasn't they died from COVID. It was they just died within twenty eight days of presenting to A and E having had a COVID, a positive yeah, COVID diagnosis. The, the, so so they, they could have gone home, got so into a fight with their spouse and been stabbed to death by their step, so spouse. So what you're saying is it's always, it's fine to go, I... Understand I've, the data. Yeah. And understand the data in the context of the data. And because the, the soundbite narratives that we get in the social media world are often angled to get a reaction. Yeah. Okay. At a glance, that looks like, well, out of 118 people who died, 50 were unvaccinated, 59 were vaccinated. And it's only when you dive into it and actually understand it, you realise, hang on, they didn't necessarily die from COVID. They died from all-cause mortality, like yeah. every possible type so of that, They just died within 28 days. And so that's why I'm saying that it's always good to have done your own research so that when yes. you sit down with a... But go uh, past that first level. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No, Cause, no, cause, hold uh, on. Let me say this. So, it, it like, go in depth as far as you want. You want to go down a rabbit hole, do that. Yes. But as long as you have at least had a look yourself so that when you have an agent come into your home and is talking to you about the price, that at least then they know that they're dealing with yeah. someone who has who at least wants to learn because there's a difference if you're going well, wants to understand i think it's uh, yeah uh, well yeah well understand learn they kind but of go hand in look, hand the, the really key thing that i would say on this is the the phrase do your own research is such a popular phrase in this day and age right well and look at often, like for like look at the well, no, no, recent at, sales look at, okay. like look at Don't all of that just take the commentators spin on the data go and check their sources and read them and make your own interpretation of their sources. Yeah. Right? Because that's where the, that way you can get the full context. So You're not just getting the headline spin. Question, because I know this. Yeah. Well, kind of. Core logic. Yes. Does the public have access? They've got access to a lot of the data. Um, they've so also got access. It's not just core logic now. So it, that's great. It's a great question and it's fantastic you brought up core logic because REA and domain, so realestate.com.au and domain.com, and CoreLogic all have their own data sources now yeah. and also all provide a significant amount of data free to the public. Yes, right, on, okay. On given areas. So you can go up and get a, like, look at, you know... Recent a, sales. Well, what a, excuse me, what a projected AI price might be yeah. for your property. Now, that's still not going to be as accurate as the human who's on the ground, because it's still based off data that could be three, six months old. But it gives you an idea of a ballpark. Yeah. And if if the agent price is within that ballpark, you can have a relatively high degree of confidence. Yeah. Right? If you've got a ballpark where it's saying it's between six and 800,000, and the agent comes and says it's 1.2 million, that agent might be correct, and the AI could be wrong, but you need to understand why. Yeah, well, that's when if they turn around and go, oh, you know, I use market buy and here's the reason here's why. Here's the sales activity report. Yeah, then you can go. It shows all of the buyers on a similar property and what they were willing to offer and spend yes. and the conditions with it. And that's where that transparency comes in because transparency is how we restore trust, mm. right? But with transparency, 
sellers, homeowners, and buyers can make better informed decisions for themselves. Yeah. And we need to, as an industry, we need to embrace transparency because the trust, like, we're, we're constantly featured in the media. We're constantly got a target on our back as an industry. Mm. And we need to support our clients mm. and the buyers, so both sellers and buyers, in providing greater transparency so that they can make fully informed decisions mm. or as fully informed as possible in regards to their property um, journey. Mm. And if we do that, there's this amazing thing that happens. If you provide that transparency and you remove the roadblocks to engaging with that transparency and taking action on buying and selling property, mm. incredible results happen. Well, the other thing too is that it actually builds integrity within the like yeah, but you know what? Transparency there's, there's, and integrity—that's what you—that's what you there's want. There's a massive financial benefit. Yeah. Right, and to everybody, mm. right? There's there's a massive financial benefit to the agents and the sellers, mm. and the buyers actually get the property that they want mm. and that they can afford. Mm. So, what happens is that the it, and I'm going to give you stats from Mark Buy for the first six months of this year. Right, it's been a it's been a harder market than what we've seen over the last four years, and these are the numbers. When you bring in transparency, mm. when you remove the roadblocks to being able to engage with that property journey, mm. we've seen on average fourteen offers per property sold on market buy from seven different buyers, and the increase from that first offer to the final offer accepted has been seventy thousand mm. dollars. So what that means for the everybody involved, right, is that the seller has gained $70,000 on top of the price of their property. Yes. The agent has been paid, whatever their percentage is, a little bit extra. So they've got extra on their comp that mm -hmm. incentivizes them. The buyer has been able to secure the property that they wanted at a price that they are happy with because they were happy and willing to pay it. Yeah. Right, So everybody in the transaction has been able to achieve their goals and do it faster. Yeah. Right? Because of that transaction. The, the other thing too with it, with market buy and online I mean, platforms, digi is, the fact, is the fact that you can also see, if you're going in and you're a cash buyer, you can also see what other ones are there who have, you know, the pest and... No, you can't. You can't see that? You can't see conditions on the offers. Right. Right? The seller the can. the seller can. The seller can. The seller gets to choose what the best offer. So the seller doesn't actually have to take the highest offer. No, that's right. The seller can take the offer that has... The best. A, the best conditions and is overall the best offer. So they might take an offer that's twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 less. Yeah. But it's got better settlement conditions. It has better, you know, general conditions and contingencies yeah. and that. And so they prefer that offer. Yeah. Right. So it's also not a case of the highest offer gets the property. It's a yep. case of the best offer that suits the seller's needs gets the property. There's actually one thing that I also want to touch on there. I think we should do it in our other podcast when I refer to cash buyers. Yeah. Because we, we actually have had people um, tell us about how the cash buyer isn't actually necessarily a cash buyer. No, often, often they're rolling... 
Yes. They're, they're rolling dangerously and they're, they're making an unconditional offer when they haven't had their finance approved. They've just got pre-approval. Yes. So I yeah. feel... I think we get an expert in to discuss that because that one to me sounds like we might be crossing over into the realm of potentially giving financial advice and neither of us are qualified yeah, to no, do that Yeah, no. The legally. only reason why I say this is because that there in itself can reflect as though the agent didn't actually discuss things and it wasn't the agent, it was actually the buyer, which is another integrity and transparency. We're working with um, a number of different bodies at the present point in time to increase the level of disclosure, to increase the level of transparency again to ensure that like buyers, sellers, everyone's fully informed as to what they should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, In regards to So the next one. Well, um, we might have to do another episode on this because I'm looking at our time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we. this was a big rabbit hole. It was a big rabbit hole. So, okay. Well, in one, in the future, we'll talk about um, AI and yep. marketing. And how AI is coming into the real estate space. Yep. And yep. marketing on social media yep. as well. So, um, hopefully, we had actually Because then we can, we, can, we can help sellers understand what they should be seeing, what they should be getting. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully, um, you know, some of those points as to what, JH does teach uh, to agents, gives you a little bit more information. Yeah. And look, any any questions that, that anybody has about that, by all means, reach out. Like it's, this is something well, that we're I'm, not going to tell you, like we're going to, yeah. we're going to tell you <laughs> straight out. We, we don't believe I, look, in I, hiding I, stuff. Yeah, I, I get in trouble for being too, too transparent and I, I am really, really excited for the next 10 years in this industry mm. because I believe that the next 10 years in this industry is going to be one of increasing transparency and the drive towards transparency. And I think that um, the market itself, so sellers and buyers, mm. are going to be a huge force in that. Yeah, uh, I think that over the, and, and I've said this stage, I said, look, over the next five years, it will transition to a point that everybody's using digital offers purely because of the level of transparency that they provide and the way that sellers and buyers are going to be selecting their agent once digital offers are are entirely mainstream and everybody's using them. Mm. It's going to come down to how many sales have you completed using digital offers? What is your level of experience? And that buyers and sellers are naturally going to gravitate towards the agents who have done more transactions, more sales, and adopted it early because their level of skill and level of experience will be that much higher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, on that note, let's go to JTM. I'm down. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for JTM. It's J-Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, but work, smoking beer, podcasting, story writing, treasure hunting, you name it. What's really great, my gear, singing, playing TV shows, as you can see. Right, I know that with the amount of time that it's going to take to um, that we have already used, <laughs> we're going to have to be quick on this. But that's all right. That's yeah, right. we can be quick. You, on this. you have to be quick on your JTM. I'll try. Mm-hmm. That's okay, right. I'm dying. I, I I was dying during that that intro segment. Oh, it's fine. No one will know. All the time on planes and plane air conditioning just kills my sinuses. It's all right, fun. so focus. All right, let's focus. So road trips. Where to go? Oh, Lou, I think, I mean, we've, we've hinted and, and talked about it in brief on, on other episodes where we, you know, uh, hinted the, the boys and I did that road trip down to Tasmania, Tassie, where we drove down. 
and I love road trips. I've always loved road trips. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm Aussie born, but my, my parents were Kiwi. So I grew up in New Zealand. And when we first came back to Australia. Well, you and um, I actually did a road trip in New Zealand. We, we did a road trip in New Zealand. We, we went from. We did a road trip in the US. We did it a was road a shorter trip. one, and but it still did. I love it. We like, still did it. I love road trips. Yeah. And it sucks that petrol's as expensive it is, as it is because it makes more sense to fly these days. Yeah. But I think that there's something awesome about just hitting the open road and driving for large distances, playing car games with the kids, stopping off to see different things. I think it's just also the fact that you're doing something different and you're seeing something different and you're yeah. seeing things that you're not you would actually miss yeah. when you're in a plane. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it looks fantastic from the top down at 30, 35,000 feet, but, but that's when you're only actually when down amongst it, there's so much more detail and there's so much more cool stuff to see. Well, and, sometimes and all you see is cloud. Yeah, well, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, so we've actually, in fact, just this morning, just this morning, I've planned the next road trip for myself and, and our oldest because he finishes up grade 11 before all of the other kids finish um, uh, finish their school year because grade mm-hmm. 11 finishes a couple of weeks early. So we kind of went, he's, he's also got to get some learning, driving, learner hours up. Yeah. And so we went, how about we road trip? Yeah. And we'll... We'll road trip somewhere far away. We'll do like three days worth of driving. Yeah, uh, to get there and three days back. And and uh, massive shout out to our friends at Smidge Wines because we kind of went. Maybe we should drive to Adelaide, and they went for sure. Come down and hang out. And uh, our eldest is going to get to do a week of work experience on a winery. So we're going to drive down. He's then going to do some work experience and work around the winery. Uh, and then we're going to drive back. So we got road trip with some really cool life experience and then down there at the end of it. Farm, farm work, farm work. Yeah, because so that, that that like a vineyard isn't exactly. I I genuinely don't know to be honest. So it's it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm well, going to learn too. I'm, I'm going to go okay, and help out. It's an fun. extensive large parcel of land that you're going to have to be working <laughs> there's on. There's some horticulture happening. There's it, some, exactly. some growing we, stuff. And, and, you know, there's agri- it's agriculture. Yeah, we're going to get to so, hang out with, with Frankie, the, the vineyard dog. Yeah, that's naughty. Yeah, yeah. Naughty, naughty Frankie. Frankie. <laughs> um, so, But I think, you know, we, we've sat and we planned it out this morning and the way I like to plan it out, particularly where you're driving a huge distance like that, mm. right? Like I think the the total distance is just over 2,000 kilometres. Yeah. Um, and so we break that up. We try to break it up into three days' worth of driving. Mm-hmm. And the same when I drove uh, the boys down to Tassie. Yeah. You know, we broke that up. And, and that was, we, I think when we went to Tassie, we stayed in Port Macquarie the first night. Mm. And we left straight after school. So I picked them up from school, had the car packed, and we just drove. So that, mm. was, that was about six hours. We then drove from Port Macquarie to just outside Canberra. I mm-hmm. think it was Eagle Nest or something like that. Just it's literally just outside the border. Okay, so let's to go ACC. to the one that you're actually going to be doing. Um, and then where, where drive down stopping? to Melbourne onto the Spirit of Tassie. Um, so with this one, we're going to go Brisbane to Coonabarabran. Yep, and we'll stay in Coonabarabran. Um, and that's that'll be about an eight-hour drive. Yep. Um, well, it it could be as much as ten or twelve, depending on traffic and roadworks and all that good fun stuff. Uh, and that's why I like to sort of aim for that seven or eight hours a day max is because that it does give you that little bit of fudge room. It is also... And allows the, you to have those stops and stuff. Well, it's the equivalent of sitting at a desk yeah. for eight hours straight yeah, and the occasional get up to go to the toilet and, and or we, to stop to have something yeah. to eat. We, but we it does to stop, tire you. We do. We, we try to stop every hour and a half, two hours. 
Yeah. Like, and it's it's not an exact science. Like it might be two and a half for one stop. It might be an hour and a half for the other. But it's we'll stop somewhere that has something, mm. whether it's just a bakery or a petrol station to go grab a drink or something. And we'll walk and do a toilet breaks and all that. But so we're we're following that advice of make sure you stop at least every two hours. Yeah. Kind of deal. Um, so yeah, the other thing too is making around. sure that you get out and you actually move instead oh, of just stretch, walking, yeah. like actually stopping and doing yeah. like even 10 minutes worth of stretching just so that yeah, your muscle. I may, have, I, I may have been seen doing roadside squats and yeah, there's nothing wrong know, with that. leg stretches and stuff like that. This is a on. question. Why has there not been any app that's actually been created for roadside stops? I've you know what? Probably because people aren't road tripping like, anywhere near as much. Like exercises. Like we've got yeah. wall pilates. Yeah. We have, you know. Pilates. Uh, <laughs> pilates. Oh, sounds, <laughs> sounds like I'm going to have a pie and a latte. And I'm down for that on a roadside stop. <laughs> uh, and then you have ones where it's like, you know, you've got an exercise ball. Yeah. You, you've got all of these things to do inside the home or to do at yeah. a park. Yeah. But yeah. why have you not got it? I've probably just given someone an idea yeah, where they're maybe, like, maybe. you know what? Re- reach out to Dave, my strength coach. I'm sure he's he's building an app for something at the moment, so maybe he can incorporate that into it. But the other, like, there's truck drivers. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, so yeah. maybe maybe there's some truckies out there that have some good stretches that they're like, yeah, yeah. this is what I do. Yeah, maybe maybe. But uh, yeah, so we'll stop at Kuna Barabran overnight, mm-hmm. um, and then we're going to go Kuna Barabran to Hay mm-hmm. uh, the next day, and then we'll go Hay into Adelaide. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> we were looking at going through Mildura. We were looking at going sort of really going deep, deep. Is it Mildura country. or is it Mildra? Uh, I call it, I've always said Mildura. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but we'll, we'll go into Adelaide and then of course we'll, we'll hang out at the winery and. Or is um, that how you say it after a couple of drinks? Mildura. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert on that. I'm just not going to comment. Um, but yeah, so, so that'll be, that'll be our road trip. Um, we'll load up, load up the padge. And uh, I'll I'll get it all. Make sure it's all serviced. Gets a nice clean service. Might do a manifold clean in that just before we we head off. Check all the tires, suspension. So give you, it give it a good overhaul. You know when it comes to me and doing random stuff. Uh huh. Have you like you've got family fun and then you've got road trip games? Is family fun like where you stop at the most random of things? I mean, it could be what I would. And it's just when I put that down, <laughs> what I was think it was more family fun that was entertaining for me. So, whenever we used to road Isn't trip, that, like okay. When, so, so I know that you're probably going to go down the path of you know that song. I can't remember where it was. What is it? Yeah, that's the story I'm about to tell. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay, just so very quickly. that's actually a road trip game. It's a road trip prank. <laughs> On the kids. So, all right. So, I mean, it, it does fit into the game category. I'll explain in a sec. But to explain it, I need to give context. When we first moved back to Australia, we flew to Perth and we road trip. We spent three months driving. We drove up the West Australian coast, across the top end, down the East coast into Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was amazing. And we would always have a container of road trip lollies and snacks and that, that mum was in charge of. And, you know, she would play games with us and or set us goals and targets, whether it was schoolwork in the backseat or... Um, you know, we'd be driving along. We had to spot something. If we spotted something, we got a lolly kind of deal. And so I you took You know what lollies you're not going to have? Fantails. Don't even start with me on that one. That That's a sore point. That's that's a sore point. So <laughs> we're, driving, to we're driving to Tassie, mm. right? And I've got the boys, the two boys in the car, the two oldest boys. And 
I started singing to myself, there's a shack, uh, there's a track winding back to an old fashioned shack along the road to Gundagai, mm. right? And then I turned around, I said to him, I said, all right, boys, I'll tell you what, if you can find, as we're driving through New South Wales, if you can find a track winding back to an old fashioned shack, you get a chop chop. And this entertained them for the next two hours, right? And there'd be tracks winding back to a homestead that was modern. And I'd be like, no, nope, doesn't count. It's not an old-fashioned shack. Yeah. Right? There'd be, a, there'd be an old-fashioned shack, but there's no track winding back to it. It doesn't count. It's got to be this track winding back to an old-fashioned shack. And I, I was even so cheeky that I would be like, if there was a driveway going back to an old-fashioned shack, no, that's a driveway. That's not a track. Right, a track's like this dirt kind of road that's been worn out over years of travel, and that it's not something that's been graded and set up properly. And right, that, okay, right? yep. So I was being really, it was pedantic, hilarious. is what you I was were being, being pedantic. Yeah, but I was amusing myself as I was driving through New South Wales and Victoria with this game, and the boys were in it, and it was because we live in this this time where it's all devices and phones and iPads and that it actually got them to lift their eyes from their iPads and be looking at the countryside as we're driving past and actually taking in the sights, which is what I wanted for them because it was one of my favourite parts, road tripping around the country as mm. a kid, you know, at a similar age, was you just saw so much and we have such an incredible country. There is, like, you can drive along that, that trip. We went through so many different environments, so many different ecosystems, and saw there were so many different sites. Mm. And if your head's in an iPad, you're not going to see it. You're not going to create those memories well, we also and, and did, have that appreciation. We also played one um, when we were in Tassie where it was you had three different things that you had to try and find. It, I think it was five, wasn't it? It was more than uh, three. I can't, I can't remember. One but, of them yeah. was a Highland cow because... White, a white duck, yeah. Highland cow. Wasn't uh, there a black, fa- a black faced black sheep? Black faced sheep. Whatever they're called. A ride on mower. And there was something else. Paige, Paige came up with it. And so we were playing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you right now that as you got further south, it was harder to find those highland cows. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, as, as you got into the lowlands, like the highland cows, obviously, were up higher where it was colder. Because the Highland cows in Tassie have these big horns, but they got these big shaggy. No, because coats. in Launceston they do actually have them. But they're up at high. Old McDonald's farm. Oh yeah, but that's that's. But you have to drive past it in order to see it. Exactly right. And then, do you remember that cow that we saw that literally was like halfway between a horse and a cow? Remember how it had stupidly long legs? I think I was driving. I don't think I. I can't remember seeing it. I remember you guys mentioning it, but I can't remember because I just remember looking and. I w- and it was definitely not a horse. Yeah, right. I remember the discussion about it, but I, I didn't actually get to I see it. I know that it definitely looked because there was no mane. It did not have a yeah, long yeah. neck. It was a short neck like a cow. Yeah. But then its legs. Like that one in Western Australia that's like six foot eight at the shoulder. Yeah, but yeah. It, but its body looks like a normal size. Yeah. Normal size. <laughs> so I don't know what the deal was with that particular cow. Yeah. And it was a black and white cow too. So yeah. it was it at. Traditionally, a, a dairy cow yeah, yeah. is what no, it looks like. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, yeah. so. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I'm, look, I'm looking at the time, and obviously this has had to be a shortened segment because yeah. we, we really went deep with the real estate stuff. But I, I think road trips, there's so much fun. Yeah. Right. And I get a lot of people like, why do I want to sit in a car for eight hours? And, you know, it's be- we have this incredible country that is so beautiful and is so diverse. Mm. 
right? And the landscapes are so diverse. You don't get to see it by flying to a destination, mm. getting off the plane, catching a cab to your hotel. Mm. You only get to see it. It's a great way of setting up memories too. Oh, 100%. And, and creating adventures. And look, there'll be trials and tribulations. You know, there might be a, a busted tire or something to teach kids how to change a tire. Like there's all sorts of crazy things that can and do happen. Mm. And they create those memories as well. I just, you know, make sure you get your car serviced before you go on a long, long road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure your tires are in good condition, brakes are in good condition, suspension, everything like that's in good shape. Make sure you brake your trip up. Um, make sure you replace anything that needs to be replaced in the car and make sure you've got your, your backup stuff. Make sure you've got your tire changing kits, a spare tire or two if, if need be, you know, that you plan your trip and your fuel stops. Water, well. just in case you Water, need to. snacks. Something happens I'm, to I the make, battery. Yeah, I make jerky um, for, for our road trips yep. and we'll, we'll often be, you know, there'll be. So this is probably going to be the first, the first road trip that you've ever done where you haven't had fantails. I'm going to keep an eye out for fantails and I might try and snag them. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I might have to buy them on the black market and pay an absolute <laughs> fortune for them. I might do it just for nostalgic sake. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> $100 per fantail. Oh, God. Yeah, maybe not. And on but that note... Road trip. Check out this beautiful country of ours. It's fantastic. Yeah, exactly.